0: And I, oh. Hey, hey dog, we're, we're doing a podcast. My dog's doing it too. Maybe they're trying to talk. <laughs> you... Wait,
1: hold on. Stand by, talk, talk to your dog. All right, so I'll just start interviewing me while she's gone. So Sherry, um, tell us what is the biggest mistake salespeople make in sales? Oh, I hate that question. I can't believe you asked me that question. It's so boring. Ask me a different one. I just got kicked out. Did you kick me out?
0: No, I didn't even touch you. You
1: want to though? I heard.
0: <laughs> Cause I got a girl crush. <laughs> I'm so excited you're here. Oh, thanks. I'm excited to be here. I wore pink for you. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, welcome. Thanks. We're just gonna roll. Are you cool with just rolling oh, into yeah. the women your mother warned you about? Sure. You've done the, you did the live version at Outbound, which by the way, everybody, welcome to this episode of the women your mother warned you about with my girl crush. Let's put it out there. My girl crush Sherry Levitan is here today and as, ooh, she is kissing me. Oh, quick shout out to Jeb Blunt and Sales Gravy, the sponsor of this show, making it happen. But back to Sherry because. Oh, I
1: love Jeb Blunt. Let's just, let's just proclaim our love for the Jeb. I mean, really, like his books, like I'm in them every day, you know, like every day. Every day. What's your favorite? Do you have a favorite? I thought his for vir- virtual. I can speak. Virtual selling book was fairly breakthrough. And the fact that he got it out in like four minutes after COVID was like, I wanted to shoot him. I was like, how did you do that?
0: You know? I know. You know, it's, it's, you know, what it's like working for him sometimes it is. You finally one day go, you know what? I am never... I'm never going to be like him. I can aspire, but I don't know. Like he, I thought I had energy. The, The man exhausts me like just, he's probably exhausting when he sleeps. (laughs) <laughs> but you, you know, know, Jeb's a good human. I, I think you know, Jeb,
1: Jeb's an au- Jeb is an awesome human. There's a lot of guys like that, that are like hyper, hyper energy, energy. And they're trying to, I won't use names, Grant Cardone, but you know, they're trying to rule <laughs> the world and get the car and the jet and, yeah. and Jeb's really grounded
0: in his success and in family. and yeah. And that's why I love him. You know, yeah, and that's why I work for him. Yeah, I mean, I I literally left my own business and said, "Can I work for you?" Wow, I mean, same same. I love it. He he's he's down to earth. He's to the core. His stuff works. He makes sense. And and I and I love the family values mm-hmm. and who he is as a as a person. To your point, like, but but the man is he's like savant like him in my mind. I remember like the. Like i had followed him for years. Right. And then one day I'm in the office after shortly after joining the company and he's like in front of he hates when I tell this story, by the way. Don't pull the sponsorship. And he's in front of the whiteboard, like writing out these things for me to follow. And I'm like, my head is hurting because I'm more of a hmm, artistic creative. And he's like he's, he's putting all these numbers on the board. And I'm start, I'm like, I can't keep up with him. And then, of course, in his style of coaching, he'll be like, all right, repeat back to me what I just said. I'm like, no, I can't. I can't. I can't. Yeah. So I tell him, I said, have you ever seen the movie A Beautiful Mind? I remember it. it I, I forget movies
1: after two weeks. I'm a really cheap date. Like, I love them. And then you'll, and my husband
0: will say, well, we saw that six months ago. Yeah, I already forgot it. Who cares? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, the one thing I remember about that movie is like the brilliant mind standing up at a chalkboard, writing down all these formulas. And like, only he can see it in his head as it's coming out to fruition into an idea and a thought. And that's, that is Jeb blunt to me. It's like these amazing ideas that just flow out. And you got to just be able to keep up with him and like take Like whenever he calls and I see the phone ring, I'm like, where's my notebook? I'm like, I am ready. (laughs) I write down everything. But, but back to my girl crush. Look, look at you. Look, you're on the back of my notes. See that? But I was a brunette then. Well, this is your website, girl. Yeah, I know. I was a brunette. I know, but I I printed it out from your website. I wanted to, I wanted to actually be prepared for you. Right. Because you're a firecracker. Right. So the last time you were on this show was live at Outbound on stage and you created this amazing energy. Uh, and I think you got everybody going with like giveaways and all of a sudden everybody was giving something away like it was the Oprah show. And I was thinking, if you want to give something away today, you can, I'm just going to open that door for you because why not? I'm going to put that My out there. Born? Yeah. Okay. I mean, is your firstborn a of, of value that somebody can make use of? I actually uh, have an adopted
1: child. So I don't think um, I don't actually have a firstborn, but I can give something away. I can give away, let's see, a shot of sharing and it, it could be filled with something. And, and I could give away yes. two, not three and not one. Copies of my
0: book. Heart of yes. Health. So that's what we'll do. We'll give away shots and books. You know what? The shot of sherry. I meant to actually. Oh, I forgot. Because uh, I've got a shot of sherry in my office. Is it full of anything? It's not. Oh, see, that's a problem. It needs to be. Yeah. That is like I'm like I had to go get one of those shots of sherry at Outbound. I'm like I gotta have this. It's like the best thing ever. So at Outbound, you said, can I say a certain word? And I, oh, hey, hey, dog, we're, we're doing a podcast. My dog's doing it too. Maybe they're trying to talk. I know. Maybe there's like a dog thing going on. Yeah, I know. You know what happened is this is so funny. Wait, hold on. Just come in here. Stand by. Talk, talk to your dog. Hey,
1: come on. All right. So I'll just start interviewing me while she's gone. So Sherry. Um, tell us, what is the biggest mistake salespeople make in sales? Oh, I hate that question. I can't believe you asked me that question. It's so boring. Ask me a
0: different one. Go ahead. <laughs> the, the, the question about your dog?
1: No, I just like pretended
0: I was the interviewer while you were I talking. know, I know, I know. That's awesome. So, uh, it's so it's so ironic that the dog is barking because she never barks. And so my boyfriend just left the house. He, um, boyfriend, I I thought you were like, had a girl crush on me. Now
1: you're talking about a guy. I can go both ways. Oh, you can. Yeah. I mean, it's hybrid. We're in a hybrid. hybrid. You got to be able to do both.
0: Exactly. Exactly. He came over to, he came over to make me lunch. Um, he knew I had a tight schedule today, so he came to make me lunch and he's like, are you worried the dog's going to bark? I'm like, she never barks. I'm never worried, (laughs) but because she loves him so much and he just left, that's why she's barking at the door. There you go. It's all his fault. But let's talk about hybrid. Let's talk okay, about this let's. new let's talk about this new hybrid world cuz I'm curious. I'd love to hear your perspective and thoughts and observations of what you have seen in the past 2 years based on what's been going on. There was one thing that, you know, it was on your website about buyers being overloaded today. We know this. What what is your perspective on this new hybrid world?
1: Yeah. So it's, it's been interesting. It's been evolving, right? And um, I'm excited about it. And I want to tell you the why I'm excited about it. And then I'll tell you tactically some of the things that I'm seeing. I'm excited about it because I believe as a society that we're redefining what success means. And I'm seeing this in company after company after company. And you know, I think whenever there's a tragedy like COVID or a hardship, you've got to look at what was great about it, what worked about it, what did we learn from it? It's no mm-hmm. different than losing a sale. I was talking to my sales director today. I said, you can lose the deal, just don't lose the lesson. And with COVID, there's so many deal, there's so many things that we can learn. And, you know, the one thing is that we're all truly connected. <laughs> what I do or don't do affects you and vice versa. But I think what I'm seeing in corporate America today is that there's this new look at and, and Michael Dell said it best. He said, it's it's a time of life work balance, not work-life balance. And I'm watching companies say, wow, okay, people can be productive at home, not all people. And I want to talk about that. People can be productive at home and they can have more balance. And if they're happier, they're going to do better. And I think that um, really understanding how to work in a virtual environment, how to be productive, how to set up your calls, the four to six huge differences Uh, that you need to be attuned to when you are working in a hybrid environment, I think it's allowing, and I know this is a a women's show, I'm seeing companies hiring women four hours a day that want to stay home and, you know, homeschool their kids, or, you know, they don't have more than four hours a day. And now people that couldn't have had a job in a company can, and they're talented and they can work part-time. I'm seeing younger people who, let's face it, Gen Z, they are not going to have a 9 to 5 job they want to it's an any work from anywhere world and so now if they can master these skills they can be on a deck chair in their you know in key west and do a little bit of work it's a gig economy so i think That life is changing. Things are changing. When I grew up in the 80s, it was all about make as much money as you can work till you die. If you, you know, the busier you were, it was a sign of your success and a sign of achievement. And, you know, the younger generation is much smarter than when we were. And they're saying, wait a minute. we want to make a difference. We want to make the world a better place. We want to help our communities. We want to have a life. And it's no longer about work-life balance. It's about integration. And what does that look like? And I see companies are following suit. 86% of sellers today say they would take a pay cut to work from home. So we better get with the program and figure out how to train our leaders to lead virtually and to coach virtually, and build teams virtually, and we need to train our sellers. And it's different. It's very, very different than face-to-face.
0: Uh, that, that's a really great point that you're bringing up about training leaders, because this is definitely something that I have seen as an ongoing challenge. Mm-hmm. I've, this is what I've seen. I've seen sellers starting to adapt to that new virtual world, uh, but leaders, I've seen a bigger struggle for them in how to manage that virtual selling world, have you seen any of that?
1: Yeah, it, it, there's no question, and it depends on the leader, right? But yeah, one thing I've always said is what happens in the leadership process and the training process will be duplicated in the sales process. So if the leaders aren't checking in just to see how the person's doing, not are you hitting your quota. What's going on in your world? Are your kids at home? Are your dogs barking? You know, and, and, and there has to be more of a reach out. It has to be more purposeful. And then sometimes we just need to have happy hours with people. And, and again, just have that bonding and that, you know, that, that there's no agenda except to bond with your people. So all of these things are important. And um, it, yeah, it, it is a challenge for many leaders. That's for sure.
0: So we're talking about virtual happy hours with a shot of sherry. Yes, ma'am. I I would I would sign up for that. Yeah. I mean, maybe we should start right now. It's it's five o'clock somewhere. So. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Uh, what do you think of? I know one thing I personally have been challenged with that I've had to kind of like pull back and work on is this this new hybrid world. To your point, gives us the opportunity to do that. I don't even call it. Balance. I call it blend. Like, yeah. how am I blending my work? Am I, you know, like here? Like I'm your in my shadow. Home- you have to blend it. Exactly. Exactly. All about exactly. The blend. All about the blend. Um, even just now, I was like trying to blend my lipstick properly on my lips, Um, trying to do all that properly. But what I found as an overachiever and high performer is that I was jam packing my schedule because now I can do more because we are so virtual and international and I can do 6 a.m. sales calls and I can do 5 p.m. training sessions and I hit a wall because I over. Scheduled like Superwoman, and and Jeb even said to me one day, "You are not Superwoman." Hmm. And I was in that place of like doing way too much. Have Have you seen some of that?
1: Yeah, it it usually swings both ways. You know, there's some sellers that aren't doing enough, and and I've also seen many sellers have side gigs. Uh, I've even hired one or two of them <laughs> that you know they kind of got two or three things going on at once. Uh, they're taking two full time jobs, so you got to watch for that, and then you have to watch for the overachiever, right? And that you've got to have some balance. A couple of how-tos that I recommend, um, and this is huge sellers, do not book back-to-back calls where you've got a nine o'clock, 10 o'clock and 11 o'clock. This is why, you know, massage therapists, um, psychotherapists, whatever, usually book in 50 minute increments because you've got to take the time to say, okay, what just happened? What do I need to do next? And then you need to have a pre-call plan for your next call. Or you're just you're you're working wide and not deep, and 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 that's a big mistake that that people make. I would say the other thing is you've got to have a real division of work and life. Um, I recommend, and I know Jeb recommends this too. I get dressed to go downstairs to work, yep. and then I get undressed or you know get in my sweats or whatever. Although I am wearing jeans and. No shoes, but, you know, I mean, it's the party without pants, right? It's everything from above the waistline. But but you do need to make, um, uh, I will not pick up the phone after 6.30 in the evening or the computer. That is family time. We have a 17-year-old boy at home. We have dinner together. There are no phones on the table. Here's another interesting thing I read Mm. Um, in Difficult Conversations by Sherry Turkle. She tells us, even if a cell phone is on the kitchen table- our conversations don't go as deep because we're waiting it for it to ring, ping, or ding, and so it's it's like your on your body's on high alert. So we have a no cell phone rule from six thirty till eight, and you know I usually read or do some yoga before bed anyway. So I I have had to turn it off. I also take a day a week off completely. I I will not work on a Saturday. You can offer me a hundred thousand dollars to do a keynote, and I will not do it. And I think it's important that if you set up your non-negotiables in advance,
0: mm-hmm.
1: then and and this goes for ethics too. What will you do? What won't you do? Yeah. What are your limits? Then you can stick to them. And we have to create
0: boundaries for our work and our life amen 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 I have been preaching that for the last several weeks and I learned it the hard way Mm -hmm. right that I was not everything you just said I was not setting boundaries I was running back to back to back and then I would find myself like where's that notebook where I wrote that down where's the discovery notes on that what conversation did I just have with a client that I was coaching and it created such a frazzle for me I'm like okay And I, you know, I'm not doing the 50 minutes I'm doing, this might sound crazy. I'm like, I I put an hour in between everything now. That's great. And and what I have found with that is I'm so much more relaxed and calm that I go into every conversation, whether it's a sales conversation or it's a training or it's a coaching, I'm just, or it's my personal life. I'm just in a better frame of mind, which is obviously going to make me more productive, even though. I'm not packing everything in anymore. Good for you. Same thing with the boundaries, like you said, on, um, this is one thing I've, we've, several of us have had to do is I block it on my calendar that it says dinner time, like from five to seven, like don't even, don't even think of trying to schedule, you know, with the team, you know, like we will all start, like, if you need to pull someone in, right. If I need to pull another person into, like, if I'm selling and not training, And I'm selling a a trainer, right? I might want to pull that trainer in and vice versa. And I'll be like, oh, on their schedule, they're free. Let me just schedule them. And that was starting to happen to some of us. So we're like, we've now just filled our calendars with a do not disturb. Yeah, that's great. That's important. Yeah, really great. Ask first before scheduling like any of those now. So if you look at my calendar, it's like, your calendar looks full. I'm like, well, read it.
1: (laughs) Read it I'm about walk the dog
0: from nine to nine fifteen, right? Yeah, I'm yeah. like just read the read the calendar, right? I'm with you, sister. Awesome, I I love it, sister. I love it, sister. So, um, I I love your heartfelt approach because I feel like akin to that 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 heart thing. And I did go on your website and take your quiz.
1: Ah, are you a Susie or a Tony?
0: What do you think?
1: I if think you had to you guess, see, I think you're in the middle. I think you got a little
0: Tony in ya. <laughs> yeah, I struggled and you guys, you have to go uh, and we'll give information for going to Sherry's website so you can check that out. Uh, I wanted to like kind of go through all of it and get a feel for it. And um, I struggled with the quiz. Uh-huh. I struggled answering the questions. I was really conflicted on how to answer them. And I kind of knew, you know, which way I was going, Susie. Or, like, I could tell what the questions were, but I struggled to answer them. And I'm like, all right, just answer them, get it over with so you can get some kind of result, right? And I, I got Susie. Really? Okay, that's interesting. But I, I got Susie, but some of the answers I had, I'm like, well, sometimes that's me. But sometimes it's not. So I'm definitely Susie Touchatoni. Okay. Yeah, it that sounds like a, an Italian dish. Susie Touch a
1: Tony. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Do you want Susie Touch a Tony with, with parmesan.
0: It's <laughs> yeah. about right. It's about right. You, Tony.
1: Um, I, I think I, I want to um press pause on that because I think what's important is I've really been thinking about this a lot lately and I think the, the biggest mistake salespeople make, in my estimation, is that it's it, they're trying to balance empathy and courage. And that, mm-hmm. and that is the quintessential challenge for everybody is, I know I'm supposed to be heartfelt and nice and, you know, make it about the customer and lead with empathy. But on the other side of the coin, we've also got to ask the tough questions in discovery. We don't want to be pushed around. We don't want to be a Labrador, right? We would, don't want to just jump when the customer says jump and say how high. So yeah. this, is, this is difficult. And as I work with sales teams all around the world, this is what I see is that you'll find, and that's why I have the quiz up. because there's some and they're super nice and you want to invite them home for Thanksgiving dinner and they're great and the customer loves them. And and the problem is if you're too nice, they love you, but they walk all over you. And what ends up happening is, you know, you're, you're not isolating the objections. You're not asking the tough questions. And so, you know, you never get the business. On the other hand, the Tony is just, you know, too hardcore and, and, you know, too much urgency and they don't learn anything about the client. So it's really finding that, that sweet balance between the two. Yeah.
0: I, I, and that, that's why I struggled with it. Cause I know I'm in the middle Yeah, because I know how to, I know how to push, but push with love. That's it. <laughs> I like to push with love and then know when to pull back and then go push back in. I did have a, I have a a client right now that I I work with ongoing that they're renewing their contract for next year. And we were, we were, I really didn't have, I mean, we're just going through curriculum. I'm like, okay, here's what I think we should do next for 2022. But I'm in a college end habit, right? So I get into the habit of like, okay, so today we're going to talk about, she goes, you are stop. Are you processing me? I'm like, no, yeah. No, no, you, she's like, girlfriend, we're we like, this is a client who literally is like, okay, on our call, five minutes of business, 25 minutes of what is going on with your new boyfriend. Right? <laughs> it's that type of client. But those yeah. are the types of relationships that I make. But it was such a good aha for her to call me out. Uh, because I was in that habit of. Well, and see, you work for a
1: training company. And so I train my staff to do this all the time. You know, another big thing is, you know, this, this whole idea of when you're selling virtually, you've got to save time to book the next meeting, right? I mean, you've got to put right. that into your pre-call planning. And, um, you know, so I've got a, a, a new guy working for me and he's like, ah, oh, it sounds so hardcore because he's so nice, right? It sounds so <laughs> hardcore. And I say, look, all you got to do, George, is say this, is say, look, you know who I work for. And so we've got eight minutes left. So I've got to book the next meeting. Otherwise I'm in big trouble with my boss. But let me tell you something. She's going to teach your people to do the same thing. And then they just laugh, but you got to just yeah, own exactly. it. And sometimes, you know, I'll ask questions and they'll look at me and I'll go, oh, come on, I teach this
0: stuff. I have to ask you that question, you know, like you, you do. Yeah. Yeah. And I do that. I do the same exact thing where I'm like, or I'm, some, sometimes they'll say, I see what you, I see what you're doing. I said, great, I'm so happy you see what I'm doing because I'm modeling for you right now. And isn't this what you, your sales team, isn't this what you're going to want for your sales team? I have to do this, right? I have to do this. And I have to gently kind of pull you along. At the same time, I know I need to know when to get rid of them too. Yeah, Yeah, you got to fire your clients. I know. It's like I went, um, we
1: got to go canyoneering a couple of weeks ago in Southern Utah. And there's this tree, it's called a juniper tree.
0: Mm-hmm. And they're really beautiful. Don't they make gin out of juniper? Uh, I don't
1: know about that. I okay. could put it in my sherry. But anyway, what I learned about juniper trees is you can't tell how old they are by their size. Some of them are really old and they're small, and some of them are younger and bigger. But juniper trees self prune. So the reason that they survive in the desert is they actually self prune off the dead branches and the dead leaves. And mm-hmm. so of course I apply everything to sales and I thought, yep. wow, we need to self-prune too, right? We need to get rid of those clients that are driving us crazy and taking up too much time. It's all about pruning.
0: And prospects. And prospects. Yeah, right. Get rid right of the ones the ones that are wasting your time where you're like, literally, this is I think this is where the push comes from. Okay, great. So on the next call, when you bring your boss, the decision maker, right? Sometimes I'm like, yeah, let's just let's just get your boss on this next on the next call. And at the end of that call, I'm going to ask you for your business.
1: Good. Love that. Love right?
0: that. It's That's like, right. like, let's just, let's just put it out there. Yeah, let's, let's just not, put it out there.
1: Yeah. And, let's and, waste any more time. Right. I mean, how many times, and I call it compliance versus commitment. Great, like like so many salespeople think they're doing well when they get compliance, and the customer says, "Oh, this is so great. Oh, can you send me some testimonials? Sure. Can you send me a proposal? Sure. Uh, oh, good. Let's talk again. Can you, um, you know, show me um, your <laughs> curriculum? Oh, can I have a thirty-day free trial?" And of course, the Susie's going, "Sure, sure, sure," and you're like, "Okay, you're getting compliance and commitment." Literally means, and you know this from working for Jeb, but that the customer has to put forth some energy. Like if I'm the only one putting forth energy, I need a commitment from them. I need the next step. I either need your stakeholder Mm -hmm. on the call. I need you to send me some of your materials. I need you to fill out my 10 page questionnaire because I'm not going to keep sending you stuff. And I think Salesforce said there was a report. I don't know the exact number, um, but I don't know, like 19% of requests. They're just, they're just playing you. They're supposed to get three oh. RFPs, and so they're calling yeah. you and yeah. wasting all your time.
0: Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And you got to be able to read through that and cut through that. Yeah.
2: Hi, this is Jeb Blunt. There's a reason why thousands of sales professionals and top companies across the globe hone their sales skills at Salesgrave University. You see, Salesforce University is different than most learning platforms. First, we have live courses taught in a virtual classroom by our master trainers that start almost every single day. And our e-learning platform is populated with hundreds of hours of sales training content produced by some of the top sales trainers in the world, including Gina's spontaneous selling course, which is worth checking out. Now I've got some good news. If you've never taken a course on SalesGravy University, if you're a new user, you can take your very first course for free. That's any course on the platform, absolutely free. Just go to learn.salesgravy.com. That's learn.salesgravy.com or click the e-learning tab in the top menu at salesgravy.com, pick out your course. And when you check out, use coupon code free course to get that course for free. That is free course to get your very first course for free.
0: I want to ask you this because there's something in your bio that says you are a natural born salesperson, something along those lines. And I want, I want to hear your uh, opinion on, do you think people are are natural born salespeople and, or can be trained?
1: No, it's the, it's the age old question. Um, Here's what I believe. Um, I believe that if you have first of all, you've got to have the skill and you've got to have the will. You've got to have both. So you can have the skill and not have the will and then it doesn't work. Now, there are definitely certain traits that a person possesses that gives them talents to be able to sell. But if you don't develop those talents on an ongoing basis, you're not going to be able to keep up because the customer is changing all the time. Technology's changing on the t- all the time. So I think it's both. Um, I think there's some people sure they could develop the talent maybe, but it's just so not their personality. Like my husband, you know, Jeannie Robertson, who's a keynote speaker, used to call her husband left brain. She's just deceased. My husband is left brain, right? He's a pilot. He's a doctor. He's like. So literal and analytical, like he would just suck as a salesperson because he will be so literal and so honest, you know. And and I'm not saying you don't. You're not honest with, it, but but he just right. answer everything um, literally. And, and, and I think that there's some personalities that just aren't meant to sell, but I think even if you have all of the traits that are necessary, you have to continue to develop them. Even if you're, you, me, Jeb Blount, um, Anthony, I, Norino, whoever it is, we have to continually be learning, um, or you're not
0: going to be able to keep up period. Well, you, you, did you start in the hotel world? Is that where you got I started
1: in hospitality? Yes. I, um, I joke with people that literally I was in the most high pressure sales in the world. I would get on an airplane with somebody. And if I told them what they did, they would change seats. Like literally, (laughs) I will get up on a keynote stage. Like I remember I was on a stage a couple of months ago when things opened back up and there was like some dude that had climbed Everest and another would put his head in a tiger's or put his head in a tiger's mouth. And I came up and I said, these guys are pretty impressive. They have done some amazing things, but I have done something scarier than all of them. <laughs> I sold timeshare. It was one of those. And let me tell you something. If you can sell timeshare. You can sell anything. This mm-hmm. is a product nobody wants. Nobody trusts you. Nobody likes you. You've got to pay them to come in and tour with you. And then you sell them something for $30,000 and they walk out with nothing. Yeah, it's a pretty hard sale. Yeah, But I will tell you that we really taught people integrity. So my whole thing was I had worked for Marriott. So I, my whole goal was to teach people to sell with integrity. And we, you know, we wrote an ethics course and we did work a lot with a lot of the big brands. And so, yeah, we became an international country, 40 countries, five continents. And we did the training for the big brands like Four Seasons, like Hilton, like Marriott, like Hyatt, who knew that the reputation of Timeshare was over here, like one step less than a used car salesman. And yet their brand was over here. And so they needed to maintain the quality of their brand because it was also a huge percentage of their bottom line. So that's where we came in because I was the top salesperson in all of Marriott and I did it with integrity and I didn't make people buy in the same day. And I'd call them back. If they didn't want to buy that day, I had a process for calling them back. And that was unheard of. So all of the big brands started hiring us and saying, wow, can you show us this process of emotional selling? How do you sell emotionally? How do you get urgency yet still maintain your empathy and sell with integrity? So, um, yeah, we created onboarding programs for every major brand in the industry so they could maintain their five, five-star standing.
0: There's a couple of things I want to say about hospitality, because I I did do a stint with Marriott in training, Mm -hmm. um, training within or within the hotel, the staff, not the timeshare side of it. And I want to come back to timeshare. But how do you get urgency? How do you use that emotional selling um, and do it with that integrity? How do you make all that happen if you had to give like one tip on that?
1: Well, let me tell you what urgency isn't that's important. Urgency isn't, there's only two left, right? That's not urgency. And I think that's where, you know, and what's interesting is everything I've learned in B2C is very applicable to B2B and a complex sale. So when you're on with a client, oh, we can't do the installation for at least six months, or, you know, I've only got three slots left. That's not urgency. Mm -hmm. Urgency happens Because you've built such great rapport, gotten so much trust, done such an in-depth, what I call, what I termed a third-level discovery, that you understand their problems, their pain points, the implications of those problems. But then we learn to take it a step deeper. And it's not just about finding problems. It's about finding the what's in it for them emotionally, and even if you're a business owner, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, we did we do a lot of training called third level selling about um, we call it skin, bone, and heart motivators is the sort of the framework that we use. And it, you know, I was doing a training with a big company begins with an A ends with Adobe, um, and they're selling <laughs> million dollar solutions, right? And this one gal, Nikki. Was had asked these sort of logic questions and found pain points of her potential customer, Chuck. And the pain points were they weren't hitting the number, they weren't hitting her KPIs. So she found all of this out in the discovery. But once she went through our program and we started teaching her to ask these heart or emotional questions, because I believe all people are motivated by one of seven emotional motivators, period. All decisions are made because humans want to get one of these seven emotional results. And so she finally says to this guy, Chuck, you know, we've been talking for six, nine months. I understand that you haven't been hitting your KPIs. She said, let me ask you this. If you did hit your numbers, what would it mean to you personally? And his whole demeanor changed. This was pre-COVID. And he had never been asked that emotional question, what it meant to him personally. And he looked at her and this grown man almost had a tear in his eye. He said, are you kidding me?" He said, I am on the road 300 days a year. I've got a 16 and a 14-year-old boy, and I've never once seen him play ball. Wow. He said, send me the contract. A million-dollar
0: deal. Ooh, that's I just got goosebumps. urgency.
1: And the reason that's urgency mm-hmm. is because you have to get to what is so emotional inside of them that Look, anybody can sell anybody anything. It's getting them to do it today. That's the hard part. And the only way you do that is you find out what matters to them on an emotional gut level. And that takes building trust, doing your homework, researching your client, and asking
0: such good questions. How do you think you got so good at that?
1: Oh, I, I think... I've always been a student at the game and I had a great mentor. I had a great mentor. And every time he used to tell me there's three goals of any sale, three goals of any sales conversation. And he said, number one, make your customer feel better about you and your company when they leave than when they came in. That's number one, or when they get off the call than before the call. He said, Goal number two, this was goal number two, not goal number one, was get a sale. That's goal number two. Number three, if you didn't get the sale, Find out, learn, study the real reason, not the made-up excuse bullshit. Find out the real reason why, learn from it, and never make that mistake again. Mm. And I will tell you after every deal, whether I won it or lost it, we would debrief it. And what I can tell you is what the client tells you why they're not moving forward is rarely why they're not moving forward. So yeah. We've got to get really clear on delineating excuses from objections. And we teach a whole course called um, How to Nail the Sale, Overcoming Objections and Creating Urgency. And in it, this is a big aha for salespeople. We have them write down all, oh, now we're doing this online, of course, all the objections they've ever heard. And it'll felt like they love this. We play Rolling Stones, can't get dissatisfaction, no satisfaction, <laughs> you know, they love, you know, and they'll write down like, you know, you put them into groups and Zoom rooms or whatever, and there'll be like a hundred objections all over the wall. And then I'll do like a little playhouse and I'll go, I'm like giving away like the whole seminar. But I, I also, <laughs> are you guys really getting that many objections? Oh yeah. You know, and then one of them will go, and all in one day. And then I'll go, I, if you're getting that many objections, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't help you. I didn't know it was that bad. Then I'll just walk out. And then about three seconds later, I'll go, but wait a minute. If you're getting a hundred objections, that means you need a hundred rebuttals, a hundred closes, a hundred third-party testimonials to overcome. I got a job with you guys for life. This is great. (laughs) Unless I were to tell you of all the objections you've ever heard, there's really only six. And by the end of this segment, I'm going to teach you how to answer all six. And it's like this huge aha, because- we think there's like 600 objections. There's six, but yeah. the majority of sellers, the reason that they don't close deals is they're dealing with an excuse, not the real objection. It's not even real. It's like, I say, it's like trying to hit a hologram. You can whack it and smack it,
0: but it's not there. It's not real. It's so, not really there. Yeah, it's not
1: there.
0: I love it. You know, the I love the the three goals. And as I was listening to them and writing them down, because I'm, I'm, I'm drinking it all in what you're putting out there. Here's, here's what it comes down to for me, um, and, and the background that I have come through going back to hospitality in a second. To me, it comes down to curiosity. If you remain curious as a human. Yes that's where people start to lean into you. Because when you are just authentic, like, I'm curious, I'm like a big kid, I'm like a child sometimes. And I joke with Jeb about that too. Like my enthusiasm sometimes has to be like reined in, but I am curious, I wanna know about people, I wanna know about their situations. I'm like, tell me more about that situation. And I, I'm i so on the edge of my seat where my discovery questions, and I and I do this with the people that I train and coach, I'm like, you have to have those questions, but sometimes you have to stop following them chronologically. Totally. You have to be curious, like if you heard something and you found it interesting, don't don't keep going to the next question. Yes. Dig deeper, expand on that. Maybe it's going to be more personal, but that's where the relationship comes in. If you got to do a second and third call, then you do that after you've stayed in that curious space. I, I love that. And, you know, it, it's so true
1: that um, I always say you can't break the rules till you know the rules. Right. So, so you've got to start with discovery questions and the discovery questions have to, you know, uncover facts, uncover problems, uncover cover emotional motivators, you know, uh, uncover objections, all of that we know. And that those are the rules and that's where you start. And so you've got to know the rules and then you can break the rules. And then you can go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And, and I find that one of the biggest mistakes, particularly younger or not as seasoned of salespeople make is it's almost like, like playing a song. It's like, if you listen to a great jazz musician, they know the notes and then they'll go off. Right. And, and they'll do an improv and you've got to be able to do that improv because it's not just about the notes.
0: Right? oh sherry, you just you just you 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 took it where I was trying you just uh. you led me there what I was about to do with you. I uh. love it. It is about the improv total and and that's that's my background right so oh, <laughs> i led you i led you there so, I, but i didn't but but you but you went there cuz that's what i was going to bring up is the curiosity piece and where my curiosity was so honed in was through improv mm-hmm. so having owned an improv comedy club for 12 years um that was i had the b2c aspect of an entertainment venue but i knew going in what the long game was which was training using improv
1: god i love that i didn't know that about you yeah so now i'm curious gina tell me more <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Oh, perfect. Really? I'm curious.
0: Okay. Yeah. I, and it actually, that tell me more phrase is something that we use in improv games um, of like getting people to talk more. So, i had studied at second city in chicago where i'm from Mm -hmm. i saw the value of improv back in my college days i aspired to be on saturday night live which did not happen as a young as a youngin but i i picked up wow this improv thing has all this value um, but i want to eat and i want to make money so i just kind of went down my career path in marketing and pr for many many years and people kept coming to me going you should, you should sell for us. You should sell for, I'm like, I'm not a salesperson. Not a sales, like I would keep, I'm like, I'm not a yeah. salesperson. They're like, no, you are. I'm like, I'm not, I'm, I, I was responsible for salespeople. I'm like, I'm not a salesperson. And then one day I said like, why do people keep saying this to me? And it finally started. And then when I owned my own business and I was forced into selling, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm a salesperson. It just came in a way natural to me, but I think the natural was a combination of all of these years, decades of improv training. yeah, because improv puts us in this moment that we are forced to actively listen, be in the moment, pay attention, support the people that we're with, take take the suggestions from the audience. Yes. which I, so I've yes. created courses, I've created courses at Sales gravy for this purpose. And it's take the audience, take their ideas, make them feel good about themselves, even if their ideas suck. And then find a way to collaborate with them so that they feel good, but you get them down in the journey that where you're trying to get them, where they feel like they were part of the collaboration Yes, yes. and you're not shoving it down their throat, right? This is all improv. Which is
1: so critical in sales and um, right. bringing them with you. You're, you're so right. It, it's, I always say people don't believe it when we say it, they believe it when they say it. Right, and and that and that goes right also into um, how people learn. Right, it's adult learning theory. Right, people only retain ten percent of what they hear, fifty percent of what they see, and ninety percent of what they say and do. So, you know, it it has to be a collaborative experience. And I, where I see salespeople fail on that, is with proposals. And more and more, you know, the customer will say, "Send me a proposal." And the big default behavior there is. We do what they
0: ask us to do. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, ex- 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 exactly. And I think this is where the, over the years, I, when I finally woke up, I'm like, I guess I am a natural born salesperson because I don't follow those defaults. Right. I I'm in the moment of, you know, it's interesting too, and in proposals never, ever, ever do I send a proposal. Right. So I put that proposal together after discovery, we get on a call, um, we walk through it and nine times out of 10, they go, Oh my God, you totally get us. Right. Because everything, if you you never send a proposal, you only walk them through it. Yeah. Right. Right. Never send. Right. So I walk them through it and they always give me this feedback of like, gosh, you know us so well, like you totally get us. And I'm, and this is like a secret little, this is a tip that's like a no-brainer. You know this. This yeah. I'm giving this to listeners because I, I dig so deep in the discovery that when I put that proposal back out there, all I'm doing is an improv exercise of repeating their words verbatim.
1: Exactly. And I mean, verbatim. That, it's so simple, but if you're not doing it, it's advanced, right? I mean, all of this is right. simple. I I'm curious to know why it is that we're still in business. Why am I and Jeb and you? Like, why? Because we all know this. We all know that when you do a proposal or a callback, it's never about you and your company. It's always about them and their pain points and their emotional motivators. We all know that you never send a proposal, that you go through it. Why don't people do that? Like Now I'm curious to hear your response, because why? Like... It's not what it's like. I, stuff, think but that's but a f- I screw up sometimes, right? And I teach this stuff.
0: Right. Same here. Same here. Right. I'm always learning. There have been times where um in a discovery or in a proposal presentation where I'm like, I knew. I, I'm like, oh, I knew better than that. I teach this. I know better right. than that. Right. Um, I've even got a an upcoming call that uh they're an existing client and I sold them the next thing and now they want Jeb on the call. Right. And I'm like, uh, come on. Like now I gotta I'm like, I like I got frozen by that because I'm like, I need to be able to close this without dad coming to the table. Like, right. But at the same time, I'm like, this is what they need and they want yeah. to feel good about this next thing that we're doing, which is Jeb. I mean, I have sold Jeb, right? So he is the product and they want to touch it, know it, squeeze it, feel it, smell it, right? So I had to like literally take my own ego out of it and go, Gina, this is not about you. Yeah. This is about what they need to feel good. Worry about Jeb later when he says, why couldn't you close it on your own? But You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's taken the ego out of it. So we all kind of screw up on that, but to answer your question, um, I think, and I see this happen all the time. People are sending out proposals because they're having a knee jerk reaction to being Susie. Like you say, like, this is what I got to do to make the customer happy. They're being trained to do that. I think in a lot of situations, like the customers
1: already always write bullshit. Yeah. Throw that one in the trash. No, they're not. No, they knew what they wanted right they wouldn't need us you know and yeah. and that's
0: yeah and i and i learned this over the, the the hard way over the years that um oh no wonder i got ghosted because i sent them a proposal with a price and then i never you know they didn't. They wouldn't answer anything after that, because I didn't have the opportunity to really feel out their emotions, get them through their fear, walk through the value. They looked at the number, and that's all that they were looking at, and they ran. And for some reason, I think a lot of this has to do, again, leadership, how they're trained, and a knee jerk reaction to make the customer happy, happy, thinking they're going to get the business that way. Right. Um, I, I've had, I've had prospects say, "Well, you know, if you just send me the proposal." just so I can give my boss a number. And I said, you know, I really can't do that. I, I really need to get you back on another call so we can walk through this, right? Like push back. Right. This is where Tony comes in.
1: And then do you make their boss come on the line as a next step? Yep. Because that's another thing. You can yep. spend, you, you know, three to five hours. Yes. You know, and I have a person that's not the right decision maker because you didn't go high enough up the food chain because you're, you're, you know, you're a Susie. And you're too right. fearful to say no. And I, right. I will tell you every time it's so weird that we say no, they come back to us with a yes. It's really bizarre. We, we had a customer. <laughs> no. They're now one of our best customers. I think this was three and a half years ago. And you know, we do a lot on LinkedIn, as you know, and we're getting eighty percent of all of our leads inbound from LinkedIn, which has really been amazing. By putting out content, putting out content, giving yeah. value, giving value. Yeah. Yep. And, and I know you guys do that too, but it was interesting. So they called and they wanted me to do a keynote it was six weeks away. And I happened to be going to Italy for my anniversary. And um, it was a company I was very interested in. They were target market, loved their product, loved what they were doing. Great, you know, big software company. And I said to the woman, I said, you know, we would absolutely love to do it, but I'm going to be in Italy. I can't do it. Um, because I'll be there. I said, but and then I took it a step further because you also want to be a helping brand. And I said, but I do know a lot of great keynote speakers. They wanted a woman, or I would have surely um recommended Jeb. I said, you know, I, I know three dynamite women who would do a great job. Let me talk to them and we can talk again on Monday. She said, Wow, that's really nice of you. I said, No problem. So two of them are available. We get on the call Monday. I said, here's who they are. They're actually fabulous. Here's what they do. And she says, You know what? We talked about it. We want you. We will pay mm. your full keynote price. Can you do it virtually from Naples? Ah, uh, yes. And now they're an, they've mm. been a client for three
0: years. I I love that. What an awesome story, right? Because that that goes back that t- goes right back to the integrity thing, right? Of being that good person, which is which is another reason why I love working with Jeb. Why I love outbound. Why I love we have this collaboration amongst other trainers and, and and sales companies, right it's 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 that. It's like just being a good human, right
1: and And also, I always say, tell them what you won't what you don't do, so they'll believe what you do do. Oh. and And so we are not experts on prospecting. That's not my you know, we're middle of the funnel. And and Jeb's an expert on prospecting, my friend Jill Conrad, who's you know pretty much retired now. But you know, there's plenty of people that are experts in prospecting. And will they say, oh, we need somebody to help us write emails and prospect our? We should talk to Mark Connor or Jeb Blount because that is not my expertise. And then people yeah. go, Oh, well, do you do any workshops on closing? Yes, we do. <laughs> on discovery, <laughs> on virtual selling? Yes, that is our sweet spot. Oh, well, can we talk to you about that then? Sure. So again, it's instant credibility, but don't try to be all things to all people. And I would yeah. also like, I literally coach salespeople to build in your baby negatives.
0: Like tell them upfront, I don't do that. No, we're not yeah. good at that. Yeah, Actually, we suck at that. I love that. And I think it's important to like, again, let go of your ego to know that. I know that improv is my jam as yeah. far as how to dig deep in discovery and have a fluid conversation that feels like, oh, I love talking to her, right? Like that's that's my jam. I want to share this this one sto- one more story with you before we wrap it up. Going back to um, hotel and hospitality. So, here I am running this improv comedy theater, and um, I started using improv in training, but I was using it in the leadership space, not so much the sales space. And because we can use it in every space, right? Because right. it's about emotional intelligence. We use improv for that, and so I was doing a lot of leadership training, and that's what we we're focused on. And then in our, our theater, people could come and sign up and take a class, a six-week class. We kind of call it bowling night. It's their new hobby. They come, they take the class. You know, they have that out. And then they get to be in an adult recital. It's, you know, all very fun. So all of a sudden, I start getting like a string of like, it was like a Pied Piper had started it. All these timeshare salespeople start showing up to my classes. And I'm like, like every time a new level one, which was our, our most popular. Oh gosh, this was I opened the theater. I started the business in 2008. I opened the theater in 2009 and I ran it right up until COVID shut us down. No, this is actually Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Oh, okay. so I, there's I a lot trained in Chicago. Yeah. yeah, so I'm in a timeshare Mecca. Mecca. Right. So, um these timeshare sales people just started showing I'm like So, you know, being a marketer, having been a marketer for, I've been a marketer in entertainment for for a long time. And I knew how to put butts in seats. And I said, so what, what, how did you end up here? What brought you here? We keep asking them. Well, Joe, Joe took your class and like, he is killing it. Like all of a sudden he like quadrupled his timeshare sales. And I'm like, Oh, really? And then it just became like a timeshare mecca of salespeople showing up to take the classes. And I'm like, okay, we need to pivot. I got to completely pivot. I mean, we still, we're using it in leadership. but I totally did this pivot because I just started asking them in that my curiosity. I'm like, tell me how you're selling more. Like what happened? Tell me what's happening with this. Like again, discovery, you're asking questions. Yeah. What, what, why do you think you're doing better? Like, and I would just start digging through and that's where I started to see the niche mm. of it. It's so funny. I talked to a prospect earlier today who we keep missing each other. We've been trying to get on a call, but she had reached out to me. Um, through She found me up through sales gravy, right? Sometimes people will find me on my previous website when they're like looking for improv and sales. And she said, we've got this conference coming up. We really want someone who could talk about how to use improv skills and sales. Can we get on, the, on a call with you to talk about you keynoting at our conference? So kept missing her. So today I'm prospecting and I, I call her back. And I'm like, hey, we just kept missing each other, trying to get back on your calendar. And I see, I'm like, I see you have a 312 area code, a Chicago area code. You know, I'm born and raised in Chicago. So we were able to connect on like all of that and start talking about that she's like, yeah, yeah, I really, yeah. Could we get back on the phone this week? I'm in, I'm on vacation today. She's like, like, she goes, I thought it was somebody else calling me when I saw the South Carolina phone number coming up, but she had answered right away. She's like, can, can we get on the call? So she's like, yeah, I really love this idea of improv. We've tried it twice with two different companies and it didn't go well. And I said, you know, good for you that you are still willing to give it a chance because here's... Come back. <laughs> Because here's, I go, here's what I've seen over the years. There are people who are very well-trained improv performers, but they don't have the business acumen or they, they cannot seem to process or align how powerful it is in sales and business. And so they show up and they're like, let's have fun. Let's do some improv games. Woo! And the company walks away with no ROI. And they're like, that was fun. And we can't do anything with it. Because the trainer didn't know how to position it right.
1: That's right. That's right. Because there still has to be a sales process. And, and that's, that's exactly
0: right. Yeah. So I used to get really worked up about it when like Susie, improv performer, she's like, I heard I can make more money if I try to like, I'm, I'm not making money on stage. so I'm going to take this improv skill and I'm going to try to go do a training gig. And then they fail at it. And then those of us who actually know how to apply it in business. Excellent. And like, distinction. I have to go re explain the ROI and sorry about your previous bad experience. And here's how we're going to make it different. And, you know, I, I had to share that story with you because of the timeshare world and the Marriott world. And that was my little story for you.
1: Well, that's great. And now, if we can just teach them to, to sell ethically, but that's, that's <laughs> why I was
0: in business for so long in, in that vertical right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I think we're going to have to do another episode together. <laughs> I'll have to bring you back. If you'll, you'll come back, to. you'll have to. Oh, we were supposed to do a giveaway. Yeah. Well, we're, we're miserable. No, no, no. No, you didn't fail. Cause we're not live. So here's, so I'm going to, we're going to push this we're not out live. Not, no, I'm sorry. I, I thought we had thousands
1: of people listening to us right now.
0: Yes. Thousands. They're, they're huge, huge. You should see huge. how big the audience is. It's huge. It is it is. You. So we're, we're going to do giveaway on this because we're going to push this through social and all the things that they have to listen, mm-hmm. to find out what they're winning and how to win it. I love it. How do you like that? I love that. So this is, so this is going to come out, uh, in the next, not this week, but next week. Right. So, and it goes, it's on iTunes or, and do you it edit is it? Every, it's everywhere. You take you out can my find- snorting and my shits and my. No, we keep all your shits and snorts in. You keep shits and snorts? <laughs> yeah, they're Let's fun. Let's call it shits and snorts. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, shits
1: Wait, and shits. Thoughts. Snorts and shots,
0: shits shorts and shots. Shits, shits, shorts, and shots. I love it. Shits snorts and shots. Snorts and shots. I love it. Yeah, we're we're gonna um we'll push it out. You push it out, and and we'll get people engaged to respond to win prizes. What do you think of that? I think it's awesome. Also, I'm doing a um
1: a live masterclass with Meredith Elliott Powell. I'm going to talk to her. It's called adapt, survive, thrive. And she rocks. I love Mare. And we've never done an event together before. I mean, we've been on the outbound stage together, but mm-hmm. not just the two of us. So we're doing this big event. I'm going to see, it's like a thousand dollar, you know, um, Ooh. With, you know, maybe I can ask Mare if we can give one away. <gasps> I will love that. And I and did, be, I saw like, that the first
0: prize, right? Yeah. 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 I would love that. I um, I saw that that you guys were doing that. Uh, mary has been on the show twice. Love her. And, um, I'm like, I'm so jealous. I want to be with them. Maybe next time.
1: Maybe next time we can do like a menage a trois.
0: I would love that.
1: Like three I radio us at once.
0: Yeah. Why, you you need a redhead. I know we have a blonde. Well, I don't know what I am. <laughs> You're in between. Yeah. I go both ways. Good. So do I. This works. Perfect. This now works. That we've established awesome. that. Well, check with check with Meredith. That would be awesome. Yeah. Uh, in the meantime, we've got um, some of your books. A chat with Sherry. I'm gonna I'm gonna get you to let me give something away. Nice. Um, so it's the holidays. It's the holidays. But we got to be in that giving spirit. Let's be in that giving spirit. Hey, if our listeners, um, well, if they want to, I'm not gonna say if. How can our listeners? Find you the best way to find you, your company, and get more of you. What is the best way to do that? Uh, Sherrylevitin.com
1: is our website, and you can email me directly, uh, Sherry at Sherrylevitin.com, S H uh, A R I L E V I T I N. And follow me on LinkedIn. I do push out content almost every day, free yes. video uh, consistently. And, you know, see if you like me before you contact me. True. Yeah, like, check out a True. video. Cause you sure. might think I suck and then don't contact me.
0: Hey, not everybody likes us. Not everybody that's likes a, me. That's another thing. Everyone's got to take as a lesson. Not everybody is going to like you and that's okay. Well, actually if
1: everybody likes you, nobody likes you, then you're just sort of like everybody else and you're wishy washy and you're not like being authentic.
0: Oh, I love it. I knew I was in love with you for a reason. I mean,
1: really? Yeah, it's true. I'm glad I have yeah. enemies. You glad have what? I'm glad I have an enemies, <laughs> not unenemies. enemies. <laughs> enemies.
0: Anemies. Yeah. I enemies mean, are
1: like in the ocean. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Having foes, 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 friends and foes. Yes, foes. Foes. It's okay to have foes. Yeah, foes are good. Yeah. Hey, thank you so much for your time today. I know how busy you are and thank you for letting me have a girl crush on you and getting some of your time today and uh, everybody reach out to Sherry. She's awesome. She does have really awesome content to share with you. So go check that out. Thank you, Warners, for listening to this episode of the Women Your Mother Warned You About sponsored by Sales Gravy. For more information about this show, check out WomenYourMotherWarnedYouAbout.com or check out SalesGravy.University. I do got a lot of great courses coming up there. Our improv base you want to check that out and uh, we're out of here bye warners and bye sherry bye this really will get serious soon yeah don't it, it doesn't have to i don't think anybody wants it to be serious